0: We're back! We're back! It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. Hi, Roth. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are things? Good. I'm ready to go off on spring break with my family. Pretty exciting. Nice. Where are you guys going? Daytona? South Padre Island? The party, uh, the tropical hot party paradise that is... Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, oh everyone yeah. loves going Hell there for yeah. spring break. Fuck MTV mm-hmm. will be there. Dan Cortez. Everybody be fucking awesome. We're gonna be on you, the grind on Boston gonna, Harbor. Somebody
1: great. is gonna say to you at some point while you're up there, Are you trying to wheeze my nugs, buddy? And you'll have been training for that moment your whole life and you'll know just how
0: to respond. It's the uh it is the college tour spring break. That is where I'm I'm at mm-hmm. in life, where my wife last year was like, "We better go somewhere good because next year we got to take the girls to see colleges." And I was like, "Fuck! All right, fine. That's what we're gonna do." But enough about my bullshit. We got to have our guest on. It's Defector's own visual editor and resident Philadelphian,
2: Dan McQuaid. Hi, Dan. Hey, what's up? Thanks for He's- having me on. You know, you know, Boston's not. Much of a college town. I don't know if you're gonna find any schools there. Yeah, you might want to go to schools uh, near Boston. <laughs> you mean uh Tufts. Boston College. I'll which about should Tufts. be called which should be called Newton University. Yes. It's in Newton and it's a it's a university. Drag that institution. I thought you were gonna play up all of Philadelphia's
0: uh, college crowds, places like Temple. We do
2: also have a lot of colleges. I live right near uh what used to be called Textile and Philly U and is now called Jefferson, because the college uh, of the Jefferson Medical College bought it, um, which is a thing that happens now um, and always in colleges. I'm actually always wondering about
0: college branding because like everyone knows John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, right? Really good school. Every student there is depressed, all that stuff. But like there are Johns Hopkins hospitals where I live, medical offices and stuff like that. And I'm always curious how much shit that's branded as being affiliated with a college really doesn't have anything to do at all with the college. And it's just like, is it exists as sort of like a corporate logo now? I can't really tell.
2: I'm not, I don't know enough about hospitals to answer that, but that is, that's common here as well. Jefferson Penn, um, also, also have, yeah, Drexel. They, They all have like, you know, affiliate hospitals that are sort of under their umbrella and, and they, they do own, you know, them, as well. What makes it easy is if you go to all of them, they all have the same like web p- portal. So you don't have to like get one doctor's office to fax stuff to another one's.
0: You know, so, I always you know. I always wanna like my physician's portal and I never do. They're always like, Well, why don't you use our portal? I'm like, Fuck you, I'm not doing that. You Give me a ream portal. of paper that makes me fill out every symptom that I've ever had for the past yes. ten years oh, of my we life. love That's-
1: ticking those boxes. Allergies, yes. That's right, I do have them.
0: McQuaid, we didn't have you on to talk about medical branding. We had you on because you were our official correspondent at the NCAA tournament. Specifically, you went to the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games at Madison Square Garden this past weekend. And I'm just going to open with the most basic-ass question in history, Dan. How was it? Tell us all about it. Did you like it?
2: Yeah, it was great. I mean, I saw three really, really good games all of them were close and you know one went to to overtime one was you know a three-point game in the final minute um, and yeah you know I was I was credentialed and like one thing I really like about the NCAA, media experience and not to say something nice about the NCAA, but but I really have to, I have to be honest here. Like it's really well organized. You know, obviously one thing that's okay. well known is like, um, you know, there's a big sign that's like only NCAA cups beyond this point, you know, when you get to <laughs> the, toward the court and and you have to um, like pour your soda into an, an NCAA cup, even though, you know, Coca-Cola is an NCAA sponsor. Uh, I read last year about, like, all the rules for teams about, like, which brands you're allowed to have on the bench. Um, it's so, like, overly organized. Like, there's a giant sign next to the copier that says, Duplication Center. Um, <laughs> even though it's just, like, a copier in a hallway. Um, but obviously, that's, like, really great as a media person. You know, you get transcripts of every press conference right after the the press conference ends basically you know locker rooms are open um the guy who ran the like press conferences is mike mahoney who's penn sports information director and he's really really good at it um and i think that like you i think that you know because the press conferences are so well run you get like better questions than you normally do obviously there are always going to be like silly questions at Oh, that's so you don't get the
0: bullshit NFL scrum questions? Yeah. Like, We're talk like, about the game.
2: Right, or like yeah. somebody's
1: dressed like Waldo from Where's Waldo, and he's like, are you married? And like, that's just, <laughs> you have to deal
2: with that. as a um, I mean, that would be great, uh, actually. But no, you know, uh, I did do... I, I like started a question, and I was like... I like sort of fumbled it a bit. I don't know if I was like nervous or just like... I don't know. Like, it was just a, a bad uh, time. And I said talk about and then i looked at the transcript and i like saved it i like said talk about and then like moved on and turned it into a question so i feel like i I, like saved it so i was like very very happy great recovery myself um and you know i was up top i'm not like an important college basketball writer but i don't mind that you know i was in i was on um the bridge which is the like the upper level at Madison Square Garden that I believe they just put in, you know, when they did the renovations, you know, when they started doing the renovations about a decade ago, I think. And, uh, and, and yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was like, perfectly fine, you know, I was next to nice people all, all weekend, which was, you know, is always like a nice, a nice treat to be next to like another media person who you get along with and have a nice conversation with, you know, before, after, during games
1: was this the experience where you weren't you weren't up there with like the new york times and espn this is with like smaller outlets websites and radio yeah people. i was
2: up there with the guy on my right was uh aaron torres media um next to him was a place called uh boardroom which i thought was like a great name for a basketball website but it turns out it's like a Business of sports website. Mm. And I was a
0: little Oh, so you weren't next to like an empty Mike Lupica placard where like he came and like had like a little a little a little bump of caviar before like going back up to like the luxury box yeah. or something like that? <laughs> I was in the
1: spillover room when I covered uh the World Series and the NLCS in 2015 when I was at Vice. And the spillover room was amazing because there's like there was a room where like all the people that I knew that worked for like daily newspapers were. And then I was just in there with like the guys that were doing the Ecuador radio broadcast, <laughs> like it was completely anarchic, but it was, like, I think the people were way more chill. But that if you wanted to get any of the fun stuff, like when they put candy out in the seventh inning, you had to have someone from the big room tell you that it was there.
0: Yeah, can you tell me about that, Roth? Is this like the spillover lot at, like, a state fair where, like, you take a shuttle bus, like, to the fair itself? Like... Like, are you that... not even watching the game? Or are you in a different room looking at it on a fucking monitor? You well, so I, I've had bad experiences
1: both ways. When I covered a game at FedEx Field, we were in... So I, that was another spillover experience. And the way that works is there's, like, the press box faces the field, but it's small. And then they had just set up these auxiliary tables that were looking at a TV that was just showing the Fox broadcast. And it was, like, a smaller TV than I have at home. And my uh, <laughs> the guy that I was, was it, there...
0: Was it standard deaf. It was, yeah. I mean, it was
1: basically like it didn't have the big, like, boom, like, cathode ray thing when you turn it on, <laughs> but that was like the one real difference. And my coworker and I just bought tickets and watched it from the seats. Like, because we were like, this sucks. We're not going to be able to see anything or do anything. It, right. At yeah. the Mets game in 2015, it was uh, like just the thing that's usually what they call the Acela Club, which is just like the steakhouse for fancy people. They just, like, got rid of the buffet and, like, turned all the seating into, like, you know, kind of crappy press seating. So it's the only time I'll ever be in there because I'm never going to go to a Mets game and be like, let's get some shrimp cocktail. You know, like, it was just, like, a cool opportunity to see the inside of that room. But so, Dan, how high up the bridge is, if it's where I think it is, you are in the rafters at this, like, looking down, right?
2: Yeah, you are in the rafters. That's not an unusual press box experience. I once covered... And uh, Edmonton Oilers game and I believe they have a new stadium or a new I believe they have a new Edmonton? arena now yeah I covered Six. a Flyers road trip once they they used to always go on a road trip at the end of December because Disney on ice was at the home arena <laughs> nice. and yeah, I covered an Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary road trip at the end of December. Edmonton was probably the coldest. I think it was like -18 Celsius there. So, it was it was cold. Um and their arena like pr- like the this this bridge at MSG is all like new and fancy. The the Edmonton press box was like you had to walk across like a rickety uh like walkway to get to it hanging over from the rafters, and it was very, very weird. Was it like um, a
0: catwalk that, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme might, like, have a fight on at the end <laughs> uh, of the Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly, Ooh, yeah. that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, uh, I want to ask you, <laughs> I want to ask you one other thing. Before we actually talk about the games, I want to talk more about, like, the art of reporting. Um, when you were at these post-game pressers, you've done this before, so... Can I ask you, is there like an art to getting a question in? Because I've only been in a post-game presser with a coach once. And I was like, it was one of the few times that I was like, I was starstruck and like wanted to get my question in, but was like too meek to ever do it. So I didn't ask a fucking thing at the press conference. How is it for you when you have to do that?
2: So at the NCAA, it's very easy because you just raise your hand and you're called on by the moderator. Um, oh, so, that is like, so you don't
0: have to be like, oh, uh Dan McQuaid defector here, like, like, insi- like yeah. butting
2: in wherever you can, um, and that, and that can be like when you do have to yell, that can be hard for me. I stutter a bit, um, you know, it's not as bad as it used to be, you know, and sometimes it's not even uh, noticeable at all. I, I have like I have like a Joe Biden level um, stammer, and uh, and y- you know, but like as you get you know, so this was very hard for me when I was like in college, starting out reporting at the school newspaper. But as you get more used to it, you know, if if you're someone like me who stutter tends to disappear when you're more comfortable with yourself, you can really, you know, you just sort of have to have to like, go for it. And, you know, maybe you'll be be upset. uh, Like maybe another reporter will be upset with you. But you know, That's that's part of the the game. Um, One thing that almost never, never happens is like, you know, if you see in a movie, someone's like, you know, having a press conference or like leaving a, you know, like a courthouse or something. And there's a bunch of reporters like all yelling questions at the same time um, that like almost never happens. You know, people are. Are, you know, there might be like two people trying to ask questions at, at the same time, and then one will just sort of stop because it's like, oh, the other person was louder or was in first or. Mr.
0: Capone, louder. Mr. Capone, is yeah. it true you gunned down six
1: children? That's it, that's happening, but with uh like the Dusty May guy as he's leading. The <laughs> guard guard. Like, coach, coach, <laughs> talk about your
2: inbounds play. No comment at this time. I only had this experience once when people were yelling questions uh, all at the same time, and it's when I covered the big three. Um, it was their first year. And they played in Philly and they didn't announce that Iverson was not playing until like the games had already started, you know, so they really pulled, they really pulled, pulled a bait and switch and, uh, and ice ice cube was supposed to come out after the, all the player press conferences in order to you know talk about it and he was too scared of like me and mike jensen from the philly Inquirer and uh dan <laughs> levy who i think was at billy penn at the time like talk about a is, big three is amazing yeah, yeah exactly nice. and and then some like you know suit came out who we didn't know who he was and then like he wouldn't like Jensen was like, who are you? And he's like, uh, I'm not important. And it's like, you're in a suit. You're definitely important. Yeah. No one else is wearing a suit to the big three, but someone who works for them. And so, you know, so we were just sort of all yelling questions at him at the same time. And it was like, oh, it's like a movie. This is this is great. And also, ob- obviously, the best part is that, like, Ice Cube was too afraid to be interviewed by me. Yeah. And that is really a career highlight. A guy who I'm
1: sure has had on multiple records, like a skit where a bunch of reporters are asking him questions. And he's like, yeah, I got a statement. And then, like, a super fast bomb squad beat starts playing and he starts rapping about shooting people. The fact that he could not. Hack the like Dan McQuaid in a sweatshirt experience does not speak highly of him.
0: He might know yeah. that Dan uh, would be one of the few people to have seen some of his worst movies, like Are We There Yet Six and stuff yep. like that. So <laughs> he may have been he was like afraid oh. that. Dan
1: was going to ask him a question about mannequin, and he wasn't going to be prepared to answer it.
0: Uh, we know that Florida Atlantic came out of that East region uh, where you were, Dan. They uh, you watched Florida Atlantic, Tennessee, Kansas State, and Michigan State. Which of those four was your favorite team? to watch, even though we know Florida Atlanta came out.
2: Um, I really did enjoy uh, Kansas state just because of Marquise. Yeah. Noel. you know, yeah, I mean, actually. if you saw, I mean, obviously he set a record for assists in the entire NCAA tournament in the overtime suite 16 win against Michigan state. And, you know, the, the pass that he threw in overtime that gave them the lead for good was like he was like gesturing to his coach and then threw it up to uh, Keontae Johnson, who who did a reverse jam. And that was, I mean, that was just amazing. Like, it was like both like a flashy play and a good play, you know. With less than a minute to go. I think yeah. that it
1: might be the coolest, like, in the flow of
2: action play that I've ever seen in a college game. Like, we just looked at each other. Like, did that just actually happen? You know, it was one of those yeah. things.
0: And then right after that, I remember there was about 15 seconds left and they had the ball again, and Noel airballed a three, but it came it it just grazed a Michigan State defender's fingertips. So they got to inbound it, but it was only four seconds left on the shot clock, and it was Noel's last assist. It looked like he was not going to be able to find anybody in the inbounds pass, but just at the last second, he found Masood along the baseline, who fucking nailed it and ended the game essentially for them. And I thought that was a cool play too. I really enjoyed that. How were the fans? at uh at the Garden Dan like how was the energy compared to a pro event there i i you know I, i'm curious because i don't know if MSG just lends itself to a great atmosphere or if the event needs to match the the, the venue
2: um you know i think because it's MSG it's easy to you know new york is very easy to get to for you know basically anyone so you do get like good crowds because it's there it's it's older so it's like a little smaller in in certain ways you know that's why they had to build uh the bridge to get more seats in there and i mean there are luxury boxes but whatever um and you know my like my favorite event at at msg ever is the milrose games which is the track event that was held there from 1914 to 2011 it's now at the armory in uh in washington heights and you know like i i love track and like nothing will ever really top like going to that with my dad and watching the races and we were like right in front of the pole vault, which is just a very, very fun sport uh, for me. And, and I think for anyone to watch, it's sort of like a very would, like wild thing that people yeah. are doing. No, I think are you don't doing. need to
1: understand the pole vault to get that. It yeah.
0: Wins. Yeah. It's like, it's human cartoon shit. I've, yeah, I've always like, oh my God, he's
2: flying a 30 feet up in the air in a bendy pole. How sh- holy shit. And there's, and there's, you know, and there's a downside to these double header games in that. Sometimes seats are going to be empty because people will only go to one of the games. Um, but you know, it's just these things are always really, really fun because you get the the like experience of having fans from both teams there like going wild. You know, growing up in Philly, we have a lot of colleges here, as I as I said earlier. And we have a lot of, you know, games where students and fans from both teams show up. And that's, you know, I, I always think of that as like, oh, that's the usual college basketball experience, but it's not really, you know, usually it's a home game, you know, home court advantage is very, very big in, 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 in college hoops. And, uh, and, you know, so when you get fans from, from both teams sort of cheering on when fans of teams playing in the later or previous game sort of pick a team to root for in the other one that can be fun um and then some people you know it's like a football game you know if you're going to you know an Eagles Giants game and you're a Browns fan you may wear your uh Tim Couch you know shirt Um, and and you know and that happens at these games too like I saw people in like one, I saw a bunch of people in like New York Rangers hockey jerseys, which was like a little strange. Um, but like, there was a dude who I saw multiple times in a West Virginia basketball shirt. And it's like, oh, he was a West Virginia fan going to this. He wanted to represent his his team at this event. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I kind of like that there are just people there who want to see some college basketball and are neutrals i mean that's a lot of fun of the tournament you know not just rooting for underdogs but like a team has something that you really like about it and and you you know really start to root for them um you know there's this guy on on fau Vladislav golden and he's their like big stiff center from from russia and he rules you know uh, FAU, you know, shoots a lot of threes, you know, like everyone does that now, but, you know, they kept feeding it into him in the first half and he was like dominating K-State inside. He had, you know, maybe like eight, eight points and eight rebounds at halftime and like two assists. And I think him, them then starting to key on him inside, which they did much better in the second half, really did open it up for their shooters, you know? And so when you can sort of see these things develop you can really just sort of you know like someone in a game catches your eye for some reason and suddenly you are their biggest fan for the next you know 35 minutes of game action yeah um, classic college basketball experience right there
1: just like going to like the game of somebody's life who you will never think of you know as a like you will not see them in an nba game you will not watch them when they go play in like the greek b league or whatever but I had that experience covering the the Mac tournament in Albany some years ago, and it's the same deal. Like Nico Clareth from uh, Loyola of Maryland, like wow, I watched that, that guy win a game all by himself. It ruled, and it's like I don't know what he's doing. I hope he's well, but like that is like a treasured memory in the same way that like you probably saw
2: Vlad Golden's career peak in the first half yeah, of that game. This is, is, sick. this is yeah. This is a game. This is a thing that I wrote about. For the site but i went to the mac tournament final this year it's now in atlantic city Atlantic city. uh pretty similar to albany i think yeah and it's uh, same, same vibe
0: yeah yeah and, but in a different yeah.
2: <laughs> way <laughs> it is actually and, uh, yeah yeah you know uh it's there's some there's some water features uh, both both places yeah. and um it was marist who was like last place in the conference but had won all you know won all these tournament games against iona which is the rick Patino, uh, coach team that was expected to win, and they did. But this guy Patrick Gardner on on Maris was just like really really good. He's tall, but he could handle the ball. He was shooting from all over the court. And at first, we had no idea who he was. He he was wearing number thirty three, and we couldn't find a thirty three on the roster. And we like, eventually we're like, oh, it has to be Patrick Gardner. He's their big gun. He's taking all these shots, but he's number 15. And then I looked it up. I like searched on Twitter and found some high school kid who writes about Marist, who was like, oh yeah, Patrick Gardner won't have a red number 15 jersey the rest of the year because it ripped and they can't get him a new one. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah. I love it, And so, and so that sort of me, you know, and like, we were like, like when people around us were like wondering who this guy was, we were like, Oh, we have the answer here. And, yep. and, you know, it was just like really, really fun to root for this random guy, you know, who I had never seen play before, who was like a Juco transfer. um, And then maybe he was at a division two school and, you know, it's you, you can find these players in, Really, any hoops game, but you know, in in college or or even high school, you know, you're not going to know the players as well, especially if you're watching, you know, uh, Marist play, and, and you're uh, someone who doesn't follow uh, the Mac. And yeah, I mean, that like that to me is is my favorite uh, part of of watching basketball. You know, in the NBA, you're more likely to know everyone, and I love the NBA, but I really like sort of like some unknown person um to you coming and watching the game and suddenly you're like oh i'm not i'm not going to forget like this 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 guy's uh like great performance in the mac final even though they they lost yeah this has been a great tournament for that too so far
1: i think
0: yeah like moments like that have a lot of good familiar school energy to it. Like even if even if it's the NCAA tournament and you go to one of the the first round venues where there are four games all in a row and like and like like the next teams on deck like sort of come out and like are waiting like Yeah. Like in they're the like sitting tunnel. in the seats in their sweats and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's got that high school energy to it. And I like that. That's kind of, and like like you said, the the Marist guy who like who had to like his he didn't have a replacement jersey. So he had to like fucking It's like my son like like when I was the manager of a soccer team, and like kids had to like duct tape numbers onto the back of their <laughs> <team>. <laughs> just hadn't arrived yet. Like I like that stuff. Hey, you know what? Let's um, let's take a break. We'll come back with Dan McQuaid to talk more about the NCAA tournament, and also we'll talk about uh, some other stuff too. But uh, before we go to the break, I just want to note that this episode is sponsored by Clash of Candy. You're sick and tired of fake iPhone games that don't pay you real money. Well, Clash of Candy gives out $10,000 in winnings per day. Just listen to this real audio footage of a real woman winning the money in real time. Oh, my God. Oh, I won. I won. My name is Tammy, and I won. Stop oh, my life is completely changed. Oh. That's Clash of Candy, available in the iPhone App Store. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Drew, and this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a useful tool for deepening your self-awareness and understanding. If you've ever been surprised by your own feelings or your own reaction to something, you know that no matter how well we think we know ourselves, there's always more to find out. By talking things through with a trained professional, you can learn more about yourself and how to make yourself happier. But a lot of things stand in the way of accessing therapy. It's often difficult to find therapists that are taking new patients. Even when you do find one, you might have to wait weeks or months for your first appointment, plus it's expensive. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on a journey of self-discovery right away. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and affordable. All you have to do to get started is create an account and fill out a brief questionnaire, and then BetterHelp will match you with a licensed therapist who you can start messaging with right away. Best of all, If you don't click with your therapist, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Finding someone you feel comfortable opening up to is a huge part of what makes talk therapy work. So making that process easy is a big part of what people like about BetterHelp. So if you've been thinking about trying therapy, but you aren't sure where to start, BetterHelp is a great option to explore. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. And visit BetterHelp.com slash distraction today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash distraction. And we're back with Dan McQuaid of Defector. Hey, that's where I work. Dan, uh, in addition to covering the NCAA tournament for us, you also wrote about University of Oakland coach Greg Campy who pioneered a football-style inbounds play that he uses in basketball so the way it works is players line up at the baseline like they're wide outs at the line of scrimmage and then they run routes uh right when the whistle blows for the inbounds passer to find to find them you know to get the ball back inbounds kansas state ran this play in the tournament to great effect and so i want to ask you should every team run this play why don't
2: they is this the butt cheek qb sneak of college basketball dan um yeah so it kind of is. It seems really, really hard to stop. You know, I wrote a story about it, like an an initial story about it on Thursday. And I thought it was good. You know, I ended up writing a lot about the Harlem Globetrotters who run a football play that is very different. It's a skit, but it is people running patterns. And so that's what I first thought of when I saw this play, and one of the things I wrote about it was that I'd heard that one coach got it from uh, Oakland, Michigan coach Greg Campy, and I cited a Yahoo story that was very like, uh, you know, that was uh, more careful than me. It was like, oh, you know, we don't know who who invented this play, but here's the guy who's spreading it around, and. I wrote in it like, but Campy didn't invent it. And then I get like an email from Greg Campy that day that was like, please, please uh, call me. It was sent to like basically tips
1: at defector and it was, please have Dan McQuaid contact me immediately. That's basically the principal's office.
2: Immediately, immediately (laughs) is all. And then like I called up and I said who I was and he was like, oh yeah, I read your story. There is a lot of shit wrong with it and i was you know that's a thing you never want to hear as a <laughs> but but i'm also the type of reporter who if i get something wrong um you know i will like i want to fix it right away right you know like i'm that is you know i'm not someone who's gonna like try to weasel my way out of it
0: i hope at least well there no more new york times employment for you then sir you will never work at the times
2: <laughs> and so i talked to campy about it who's been running it since division two in 1997 And he told me a great story where a, a referee, he was like, I'm going to run this play. And the the ref was like, well, that's illegal. And he's like, you're going to get a call from the commissioner if you whistle me. And he ran the play anyway, the ref blew his whistle. And the next day, the head of officials in the summit league, I believe is what they were in at the time, um, you know, gave gave the ref a call and was like, hey, this play is legal. Any other inbounds besides after a made basket, your other players have to be on the court. But because you're allowed to, like, run the ball along the baseline and even, like, pass it to a teammate. I'm trying to find out why you can do that, but I don't have any, like, yeah. history of basketball. It's something that I've always understood as a rule. But without knowing why? No, I mean, I just want to know myself. Like, w- like, when did that become a rule? How how was that like allowed? Whatever. So, so, Campy tells me this great story. He gets me the official who contacted. Uh, the, he he gets me the head of officiating who contacted the official to, you know, cite this, that he had been running it for a very, very long time, which nice. I really enjoyed. And so I wrote a follow up story. What's what's great is both FAU and K-State run this play. And so FAU ran it at the end of the game against Kansas State twice. And so I was really interested to see how they defended it, because if K-State runs this play, they may know how to defend it a little better. And they they were not able to defend it at all. Like not only did FAU get the ball in really easily, they were able to like waste like precious seconds at the end of the game. Like it's, it's impossible to like trap someone when they run this play. And, uh, you know, I texted coach campy about it. Like right after the play, I'm, I'm one of those guys now. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, they, they run their cuts. Great. And like, he was right. Like FAU was maybe the best team I've seen run it. Dan, can you explain the, how the play works better than I just did? Sure. So the play is only able to be done after a made basket. After a made basket, you are allowed to run up and down the baseline. You're even allowed to pass it to a teammate who is also out of bounds. Um, and that's sort really general. Yeah, and so that's sort of the general trick play that. That you know um, comes out of a after a made basket. Another thing is that on any other inbounds, all your other players have to be on the court. They do not on a an inbounds after a made basket. So what teams have been doing, and and Greg Campy has been doing since nineteen ninety seven. Is you have one player is like the quarterback. He has the ball, and there are four guys sort of lined up next to him across the court in like a four verts kind of. Yeah, it's like direction. a situation. And they just all go out and run patterns. And you know, Campy told me he just uses football terminology. You know, he played football and basketball at uh, Bowling Green in the '70s, so he has a football background as well. And yeah, he just like, the players will run, okay, like you run an up and out, you run a button hook, you run a fly, you know? And so the the players, he said that they have like four different patterns that they run in order to mix it up. And, you know, when when Florida Atlantic ran this play at the end of their game against Kansas State, I was really interested to see how Kansas State defended it because both teams run the play. And I said, like, before the game, I was like, "Ooh, as long as it's close, we're going to get to see the football play. Ah! Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: And yeah, we were I, it was hard for me not to annoy because I was watching it like in Slack, like every time they ran the play, which was like several times I was doing the like Leo pointing meme from once upon a time in Hollywood
2: and messaging Dan to be like, they're doing it. And he's like, I know, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's I'm I'm happy to hear that. It's now my favorite play. Um And. The, you know, Kansas State had no answer for it. You know, um, I texted Coach Campy about it. I'm one of those guys now. And he was like, yeah, they run their cuts great. And they, and they really do, you know, they were able to waste a lot of time uh, in the final minute because it's really hard to trap this play when you're. Like, you know, like a guy will get the ball and he may be wide open because he's made like a really good cut. And then he can just sort of dribble around or even just hold the ball while players, you know, on the other team sort of come to him to either trap him or foul him. And so I don't know if it's defendable right now. I think the way to defend it might be to play a zone. Um, You know, like at the very least, you might have guys sort of close, you, you might force like a short pass um and maybe are are able to sort of trap a guy or foul a guy much quicker. But I'm I'm not sure. It's it's a really cool play. I hope they don't like legislate it out. But I don't think they they will. You know, it just seems legal. It's nice to see another inbounds play. You know, one thing I like about basketball is like every single uh, basketball team at every level runs like stack with the yep. four players. It's lined so up. Yeah.
1: gratifying. If you ever played youth basketball too, to be like, these fuckers are running the weave right now.
2: I don't yeah, have the right yeah. Yeah. like it rules. And, like and, and like, and that play definitely has a similar sort of idea to it. And that the guys run different patterns from, from a thing. And then you, you can sort of, you know, Hopefully, find one of them open, um, and that I think you can't really. That's a little easier to guard man to man, but this this inbounds play under the this shotgun play under the uh, bucket is much harder because the guys get a running start, just like it's football. So they're moving so much faster as they enter the court, and yeah, I mean these the players on the defense are not. Cornerbacks, so they're gonna have a bit more trouble. And also, basketball isn't football. You're not a, you know, in football, you can sort of like hammer yeah, into guy, You can bump guy, inside of five yards or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah <laughs> which, which you can't do in basketball too much, at least. And so, yeah, I really enjoy this play. I hope that Florida Atlantic gets to run it one more time in the tournament on Saturday. Can I say one thing for Dan that he's gonna be too modest to say himself? uh
1: the way that you handle that story as a journalist and like just sort of turning it into more and better posts to the point where now like, I'm hoping that you, are you still planning to like get a sandwich with coach campy at the final four? Cause I know you're going to that too.
2: I am going to the final four. I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to get a, a sandwich with him. I did say, I was like, Hey, you know, when you're down there, you know, uh, give me a, you know, I'll, I'll text you when I'm, when I'm down there. I actually have something different to ask about him. I learned from a commenter, actually, no, it was a reply to Drew's like retweet of me that when, uh, that when Campy was on Bowling Green's basketball team in the seventies, he was one of the players who uh, was known as a P picker and the P pickers would like come in like five at a time, like almost like a line change, which I I had never really seen too much in basketball, you know, um, Grinnell, uh, St. St. Peter's did it last year. Yale, uh, some, some Ivy teams do it. Yale coach, James Jones has been doing it for a long time. I think Phil Jackson did it a few times in the NBA too. Like, and so they would just like, like five subs would come in to give the starters a a rest and they would like just go wild on defense, you know, like give, like press the whole court, you know, if they fail, it wasn't going to be guys who were playing too much. So it's okay. If they get a lot of fouls, the coach of Bowling Green at the time was John Weiner. And he, I found a quote from a, the 1978, uh, Port Clinton, Ohio News Herald, everyone's favorite. Now, that's a fucking McQuaid sentence right there. Too. there you and it's go. Mr. And Two Damn Newspapers.com over here. Here's, here's the quote. We call them the pea pickers, Weinert said, because we hope they will go in and pick up the pea. And I mean, well, I mean, I guess I have all the information I need for the story now. That quote really <laughs> says it all. But yeah, I need to write about this just because, you know, I can write about the just sort of the pee picker thing the person who replied to drew was like oh i was a student there at the time and people went wild for it you know when these when these guys would come in to the game the cornhole shift would enter the game and and so i can do this you know so i can write about this and then also write about the idea of bringing in five subs at once i think saint peter's did it a little bit last year um and yeah, you know, I, I, I do find that like the strategy in basketball and how, especially in college, you know, teams play a lot of different ways, you know, obviously everyone shoots a lot of threes now, but even within that teams just have so many different strategies, you know, cause there's so many teams, so many coaches and teams may match up in, in bad or good ways. And so you do see a lot of different things in college. And so that is um, something that, that I really find, find fun.
0: Okay, well, that is brilliant, and I'm glad you, I'm so happy you explained it to us, because it proves that inbounding a basketball is not unlike acting, which, of course, we all know mm. is like scoring a touchdown, so, so that is that great. Is really- now, before we, uh, before we get to the fun bag and all that stuff, very quickly, for the both of you because we're running out of time, we got Final Four, we have maybe the most eclectic Final Four in history, we got San Diego State, the first Mountain West team to ever make the Final Four. We got UConn. Uh, we got Miami with Jim Laranego, who took George Mason and Miami to the Final Four. That's incredible. And then we have uh, the unheralded Florida Atlantic. Gentlemen, which of those four
2: teams would you like to see win it all? We'll start with you, Dan McQuaid. I would like to see Florida Atlantic or San Diego uh, win. No, you have to pick think... One. One. I would like to see Florida Atlantic win. I think they're going to beat uh San Diego State. San Diego does not shoot that well and FAU plays really good defense. Now, San Diego's like guards the three really well. I think their defense is like number 2 uh, percentage-wise in defending the three. But like as I saw in the regional final, you know, FAU can score a bit inside two. Though San Diego is taller uh than FAU, even though FAU does have the 7-1 guy. So I think I'll wonder if they'll still be able to do it. I think UConn is probably gonna gonna win. They were one of the best teams all year, and they're you know, obviously they've they've sort of won uh, you know, pretty handily in a lot of their games in the tournament. And but yeah, I would like to see FAU win. I mean, they are in a they have a small gym. There's like no seats under the under the uh, basket, um, which is like you know it has like a high school gym feel to it. Obviously, it's you know it has a couple thousand seats, and uh, but you know their their basketball team was only founded in 1988. It would be like really really cool if this sort of unheralded team wins the wins the NCAA tournament. You know we've we've gotten close to some you know smaller schools winning it a couple years you know butler yeah, Butler, came, two years in a row yeah really really close um and uh and and it's you know gonzaga doesn't really count there they they have like the yeah no. choking of a major but you know someone different winning right you know i've seen some people complaining that like oh this sport doesn't have any like or this final four doesn't have any blue bloods or whatever which but, one Yukon's in it and two like i don't like i get that if you're like a casual fan like oh i don't want to watch this like duke in north carolina yeah, i don't you know anything. who I'm these like, guys okay. are whatever but, yeah but I do but if you're a basketball fan you know I think that I'm gonna like I'd be watching no matter what teams were in it so I when it's not the same teams I find that really interesting and you know FAU plays in conference USA they're leaving for the American next year but they have a conference USA's conference tournament is like played like a middle school game there's like a big curtain in between two, uh, two courts that are in that are like two games going on at yeah, the same it's, it's time. Yeah, it's like all day AAU pervert fest uh, team's <laughs> just play from like 8 in the morning to 8 at night. The Conference USA tournament is also played at the Dallas Cowboys practice facility.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that's a whole thing. Uh, Jerry did that on purpose. Like he wants lots of regular events at the Star so you can get more money. Like he just wants it yeah, to maximize of revenue. Yeah. You get back to the community. Roth, who uh, who are you rooting for? So,
1: I think it's also Florida Atlantic. UConn is extremely good, and I've really enjoyed watching them. Um, And Miami, it's like, this is the thing, every year I keep thinking we're going to get one of these Final Fours, and we finally did get it, where the matchup is, like, entirely games that, like, if it was on TV on a random Saturday in January, I would not watch it. (laughs) <laughs> you know right. that if it was like a if connecticut and florida atlantic if i saw that they were playing and i was at home watching it on like fox sports one i would go outside <laughs> and that would be the right move and yet like at this point i love you know all of these teams in different ways san diego state's not much fun to watch but they are really really tough and i think florida atlantic at this point like they've had some really cool wins i mean connecticut has just Crushed everyone they've played, including. I mean, I think they probably beat Gonzaga down harder than they beat anybody. Oh and my Gonzaga god, was easily, the best yeah, absolutely that they curb stomped. Gonzaga, and so at this point, like it's fun to watch them, like they really are good. There's enough like residual Jersey City partisanship in me that I like still can't get mad when a hurley has something good happen to them, mm. and their coach is, uh, you know, is Danny Hurley, but FAU has done enough new shit. It is a school that like, I legitimately have never thought about. They've never sent a player to the NBA. Like good for them. Like I, I hope that they get what they've earned. And if that's just getting to the final and losing to like a really great UConn team, I think that's
0: still a pretty fucking amazing run. Speaking of which, I don't think I've ever written this or said it to anybody, but the only, uh, the only affect I've gotten since my parents moved us to Connecticut in 1991 is that i am a closet yukon men's basketball fan so every time they go to the tournament they're the team i root for even if they play michigan even if they play minnesota or whatever they're the team i root for so i am hoping that they win the tournament to that end it's time for the guy of the week and every week we remember an athlete of your not a hall of famer necessarily but just a guy who makes you think hey i remember that guy dan McQuaid, in honor of my favorite team, the UConn Huskies.
2: It's time <laughs> to remember the legendary Emeka Okafor. Remember that guy, Dan? Of, of course. Uh, obviously, I remember him at UConn, and I think he was like the number two pick in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I remember his comeback in 27, 2018, when he averaged seven points and eight boards a game for the Delaware 87ers. They're not even called that anymore and uh but why know, such a catchy name oh uh, yeah i know i can't believe that they that they changed <laughs> changed to it say, to the blue coat. it's fun to think about yeah it is so hard to say i had to like really think about it yeah. and not just because i stammer it was like uh how like anyone would be like 87ers yeah sure, they changed
1: it actually they're now the delaware 716ers <laughs> so,
2: yeah, he made it back to the nba okafor uh yeah he played like a couple games for uh New Orleans, Charlotte—I don't know. Yeah, but he—I appreciate a guy who like tries to come back and gives it a go. And when you know he he signed with the Sixers and they cut him, but then he signed with their affiliate and like he gave it a go and was fine with playing in like fucking Wilmington, which is like (laughs) like the only city that like maybe the uh, I don't want to say anything too bad about a city in the get the fuck out. You have to slander it. Say. Talk shit about Wil- Wilmington right now. My line is always that, like, I've enjoyed every... I'm I'm pretty easygoing. I like cities. I've enjoyed every city I went to except for Cleveland. And that was, like, a Sunday night we arrived. Like, nothing was open, you know. But, like, their, their waterfront appeared to be a big parking lot. Um, but Wilmington is definitely worse. Um, it's, like... It's, <laughs> it's got a lot of problems. <laughs> like, I would rather go to Newcastle, which has this, like, sort of, like... A lot of their downtown is just like, oh, these are buildings from colonial times, and they like did not do anything to them. Like it just feels very, very old. You know, you, you don't mean Newcastle,
0: just... England. You're talking about a Newcastle in Delaware.
2: Castle, yeah. Okay, Delaware.
0: I knew that. I knew that. I totally knew that.
1: Hey, Delaware has one of the better Newarks that we've got in the United States. Newark. You have yeah, Newark. A Newark. Yeah, Newark. What, a lot of people say it's the uh, the one A.
0: Get it right, or else Joe Flecku will come beat you with a rolling Why pin? you say
1: it like that, though? Time
0: to like open I'm up sorry. the fun bag. We only have time for one question, but this are, these are real questions from Defector Readers and Distraction listeners. This one's queued up just for you, Dan McQuay. It's from Heather. She asks, what would you classify as the most harmful reality show to its contestants. There's something like Alone, where contestants are regularly pulled because they're starving, and several have actively poisoned themselves. But there's also Love is Blind, where contestants are emotionally nip- manipulated into marrying a complete stranger. And Survivor contestants have talked about lingering trust issues for years after competing, in addition to all the physical in- injuries, although they've switched up the challenges in recent years to mitigate this. Dan, is there a firm answer to this in your opinion?
2: Uh yes, I didn't think I would have one. Um you know, like there are a couple contenders like biggest loser obviously is is one that can really yeah. you know destroy a person. Um Groomer has it, the old dog grooming reality show. I just feel like if you lose the dog grooming reality show, that has to feel <laughs> bad. But there was a recent <laughs> reality show that just aired this year. I don't think it will get a second season and it was called Power Slap. And Oh, uh, does that count? Yeah. Does that count as a reality show? McCoy? Yeah, it was like Ultimate Fighter. They like lived in a house oh, together and like yeah. had to do mm-hmm. stuff. And I I can quote uh, Sean baby at one 900 hot dog who, who said, if you're a fan of combat sports and I've always wondered what it was like to not be power slap is perfect.
0: <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> you know, it's just people, you know, like uh, combat sports obviously can be pretty gross, but like, you know, the, the first rule in combat sports is protect yourself at all times. Right. And this is a sport where you can, um, where you, uh, a sport is loosely uh, where you cannot protect yourself at all. That's kind of like the only rule. And so that is really, you know, too far, even for me, who's watched some pretty gross, uh, competitions in my life. And, you know, like most times whoever wins the coin flip to go first wins. It's like almost every fight is that fight, whatever it is, almost every slap fest is that, you know, because like, obviously one person's always going to be like one slap ahead. And, you know, I think, um, Chris Nowinski, the the former Harvard football player, wrestler, concussions, uh, expert, is was very you know he was posting a lot about it being like yeah you can see there's like a thing when you get a concussion it's called like the fencers pose yeah where yes. you know both your
0: we, um, we know it from like, uh, from Tua Tua yeah Tua
2: and the, and you know it was just like it happened seemingly a lot you know there was one they had like women come in in one in one episode and they. Uh, slapped each other and like you know they had people trying to catch them when they when they fall after the slap and oh that's new nice. were, they were trying to catch this woman and she f- like fell forward on her head you know like so <laughs> even the safeguards for it are like poorly done you know so yeah I think it's power slap followed by groomer has it followed by biggest loser
0: i uh, I want to uh, also shout out the old fox reality show the moment of truth which I thought, was the greatest reality show ever when it first aired. But then I realized that it probably wasn't all that great to ask people, have you ever thought about cheating on your wife? Yes or no? and you win money by telling the truth because you have a polygraph strapped to you and your Ugh. wife is sitting there right in the front. row. <laughs> that
1: was the back first though. I've, decade I, of this millennium had some of the worst shit that's ever been produced by our culture which is really saying something. Yeah. We that is watched, remarkable.
2: We 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 recently got into old VH1 reality shows. Um, As one does. Which which actually like started off like reality. kind of fun with surreal life. Um you know, there was a really great season of that with like one of the Brady Bunch guys, and obviously Flavor Flav and Bridget Nielsen, and yep. and then that became the Strange Love with Bridget and and Flav, and then it became Flavor of Love, and then Rock of Love, and then like all these people just started getting spinoff shows, and there's an a, an infamous one called Megan Once a Millionaire, and um, it was it only aired three episodes because three episodes in the guy who finished third uh, like murdered his wife who he had married after the show. And so they, they, they canceled the show and then I think like Viacom got a new boss and he was like, we're ending all of this. And you know, rightly so, but you know, like you're really hitting the bottom of the barrel when you're on like the 17th spinoff of flavor of love when, her, her line, so it was like, Megan wants a millionaire, and they had a bunch of millionaires there. Obviously, it was all people who were allegedly worth like $1.2 million. Um, there's a guy who talks about having, uh, he had like penis enlargement surgery, and then he asked Megan. Oh, like me. If, and, yeah. then, and then he asked Megan if if she wants to see it, and she goes, yeah, okay. And like somehow this is much weirder than pulling down his pants. He like shows her a picture of it on his phone. Which like what? to me is like somehow so much grosser. Yeah, like, take so out your weirder. dick. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs>
1: that is really perverted. You want to see it? You just break out an etch a sketch, and you're like, I'll be done in like three minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is it more polite to be like, oh, here's a photo of my dick. You're not gonna take out my dick in front
2: of you cuz that would be weird. Here's a photo of it. Here's an impression like, of like my. Like he dick. did he did ask first, which I know is is uncommon among uh men showing women pictures of their dicks. Yeah, at least stand-up comedians ask. So first. so it's not like so it's so it's not like the worst dick pic I've ever seen, but it was somehow not it was just somehow oh, just uh oh, something about it was just very very <laughs> weird. But then they have the bachelor like rose type scene and the line she always says, you know, they all have like big credit cards. That's like the the gimmick of the show. And like when she eliminates someone, she like cuts their credit card in half, um, which is a thing they did like in the 80s and, and earlier. But the line that she says when she keeps someone is your 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 credit is still good with me. And like she says it in a in an awkward way. Every time, like she she doesn't come up with like a regular cadence for it, and it's also just like not a great catchphrase no. or or anything. Jaden, so,
0: your job is your credit to me. Your money is Megan
2: here. <laughs> Megan actually posted, so we were able to watch five episodes because five of them were edit edit when the show was canceled and. She just posted two of the episodes on YouTube or Internet Archive like a couple years ago. So we watched the three that aired and the two that that did not. And this was a this was There's also Frank the Entertainer in a Basement Affair where women come down to his parents' basement and have to hang out. Um Honestly, I do not recommend doing what my wife and I did and watching a bunch of these shows. I cannot in good conscience recommend Frank the Entertainer. Which reality show is most most damaging to the viewer? Well, I have an answer. Yeah, I was going to say, like a comprehensive one.
0: Thank you, Dan. Eric Silver is our producer. Brandon Grugel is our editor, and our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services are by Multitude. You can subscribe to Defector.com right now. Just go to Defector and hit that subscribe button. You can also email us at distraction at defector.com or even call us at 909-726-3720 and leave a message. That's 909-Panera-0. Dan McQuaid, do you want to plug anything for us like the Defector store? Wink, wink.
2: Yeah, you should go to the Defector store and buy some merchandise if you're a fan of defector there's a t-shirt with dan's cat on it if you have listened to this all the way through um send me a dm or an email i'm dhm on twitter or dhm at defector.com and i will send you some defector stickers and whatever else i have some magnets somewhere i have some keychains with roth on them Um, i don't know where where those are but i will try to find them if you really want a Roth keychain we also have, that sounds great. We also have a uh, like twelve minute video coming out this week, uh, starring starring Roth with other appearances by Dimension and Dan McQuaid, cast members. Ooh. Yeah, I'm the, I I think I am in it the most, which is like because I wrote a lot of it. So you know that's uh, what a coincidence.
0: You know. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dan, for coming on. Have a great rest of the tournament, everybody. Bye.
2: Bye. Peace.